All right, well, it's Easter time. Woohoo! I remember the day back for Scum of the Earth when you could always tell it was Easter because there was every hue of hair color in the congregation. Be like a sea of Easter eggs. It was awesome. But yeah, it's time to eat all the candy and all the marshmallow eggs. Time to pig out, as it were. There's got to be a nicer word for pig out if you're going to use it for Easter. A euphemism, as it were. And I was thinking, is there a nicer word for euphemism? Couldn't think of it. And then I thought about trying to figure up a shorter word for abbreviation and a synonym for thesaurus. And why is it what doctors do they call a practice? Because I don't want to go to a practice if I'm sick. Why is it that to stop Microsoft Windows, you've got to click on Start? It's always one of the things I've wondered. Why is lemon juice made with artificial flavor, but dishwashing liquid is made with real lemons? Why is the man who invests all your money called a broker? Why isn't there mouse-flavored cat food? Why is the time of day with the slowest traffic called rush hour? Why do they sterilize the needles for lethal injections? Why don't you ever see this headline, Psychic Wins Lottery? And why are they called apartments when they're all stuck together? Apartment? Together? And why can't women put on mascara with their mouths closed? I've wondered that one for a long time. And finally, why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ such a big deal? I mean, there's got to be an if-then relationship. If Jesus rose from the dead, then what? We deal with these kind of statements every day. At one point, um, Kimberly Clare said, if I go to seminary, then I can be a pastor. Columbus said, if the world is round, then I can get to the east by sailing west. Steve Jobs said, if we can just create a better operating system than Windows, we're going to sell a lot of computers then. So what's the big if-then statement for the resurrection? If Jesus rose from the dead... Then what? What are the implications? Are there more implications than the fact that this is April 4th, 2010 A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord? If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, does that affect what time you're going to get up tomorrow morning? If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, is that going to affect your situation at school tomorrow or at work tomorrow? If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, is that going to affect which contestant wins on American Idol? Or what kind of season the Rockies are going to have this year? My guess is that a lot of you are silently wondering, along with me, 
What's the big deal? And you're the people who are here at church. Imagine the people who are not going to church. If you don't get it, and I don't get it, can they even have a clue? The Apostle Paul went out of his way in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 to stress the importance of the resurrection to his friends. And so we're going to read from 1 Corinthians. should be up on the wall to my right. Let me remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important, and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the Scriptures said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Paul's writing this somewhere in the 60s, and Jesus died right around 30 A.D. So, true, people would have still been alive. Then, he was seen by James... And later by all the apostles, last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. And skipping down to verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who died. So, I've got four if-then statements for the resurrection. Some of you will not approve of some of them because they'll seem like audacious claims. But I'm not going to candy coat them this Easter, and that's not a pun. I'm just going to tell it like it is. All right, here's the first if-then statement. Number one, if Jesus rose from the dead, then Christianity is true and every other religion is false. Let me say it again. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then Christianity is true and every other religion is false. I mean, think about it. Of all the claims that Jesus made, rising from the dead was the most stupendous. On several occasions, Jesus told his followers that he would go through a death and go through a resurrection. Sometimes he said it very subtly as in metaphor. John 2.19, Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. And sometimes he said it plainly. Matthew 17 When they came together in Galilee, he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of men. They will kill him, and on the third day he will be raised to life. 
and the disciples were filled with grief. Matthew 20. Jesus said, We are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn Him to death and will turn Him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. On the third day, He will be raised to life. And then Matthew 26, Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of Me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Now, I could claim to be the greatest player of the game Settlers of Catan that there ever was. But ask me to play in a series of matches that last all night against Joshua Dillon and see if I win. You would see if my claim was true or not, correct? He would kick my butt. Or I could claim to be the best basketball forward in all of Denver, but then just ask me to go one-on-one with Carmelo Anthony for a while, and then you'll see whether or not my claims match the truth. The same thing is true in Jesus' case. I mean, anybody can claim to be God. You could, I could. But how do you prove it? You prove it by rising from the dead. So Jesus makes this stupendous claim. If he does come back from the dead, then everything he said about himself that he's the Son of God, the Messiah, that when you've seen him, you've seen God, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to God except through him, then all of that is true. And anything that anybody else has ever said about who God is and what he's like is lying or deluded. Let's go back to the first century for a minute. Suppose you're one of Jesus' followers. His followers all knew what he said. And then he's killed. He's crucified like a common thief. And you're waiting. Friday night. Saturday morning. Saturday afternoon. Saturday night. Sunday morning. And then, Sunday, when Jesus gets up, he comes out of the tomb, he appears to you and to hundreds of others, you're amazed. You're shocked. You're dumbfounded. You're incredulous because now you know the implications. Jesus is no longer just a man, just a godly man, just a miracle-making man, just a wise man. In one swoop, he exposes every other religion, their schemes and their speculations of mere mortals. These people have stepped onto the stage of history for just a time. They said a a few good things, and then they died, and they left their philosophies behind. All that stuff that Buddha said about the great nothingness, it's false, because Siddhartha Buddha is still dead, and Jesus is alive. Followers of Islam believe that Muhammad was the greatest prophet of God. Jesus on the other hand, 
was a prophet as well, but not as enlightened as Muhammad. Jesus is alive, but Muhammad is still dead. You do the math. You want to build your life on the words of a dead man? Frederick Nietzsche said that God is dead. If Jesus rose again, then Nietzsche's dead. And Jesus is alive. You meet people who are involved in the New Age, and they have friends who are mediums. They talk about spirit guides. And the spirit guides say that Jesus was a good teacher, but that's all. If Jesus rose from the dead, those spirit guides are lying. And no matter what Tom Cruise or John Travolta say, Scientology is dead wrong as well. Because if Christianity is true, if Jesus rose from the dead, then every other religion is false. You don't have to believe me. If you're, agree- if you're disagreeing with me right now, it's okay. Five seconds after we both die, we'll know the truth. So, this first if-then statement has to do with the nature of truth. The second if-then statement has to do with the nature of life. And it's this. If Jesus rose from the dead, then life does not end at the grave. I don't know if you noticed this, but the theory of naturalism, that all of life is pretty much summed up in accidents over time, The theory of naturalism is uh, beginning to smell a little bit like the theory of communism. For over 70 years during the great experiment in the Soviet Union, communism was touted as the only way to achieve economic harmony between the classes. And they said that religion was the opiate of the masses, the drug that kept people in line so that others could take advantage of them. They didn't think there was anything to life beyond the grave. You lived, then you died. Finito, done, the end. If Jesus rose from the dead, then life is much more than economic equality. If Jesus rose from the dead, then we are immortal beings with a body and soul who were designed and destined to be resurrected with immortal bodies to match our immortal souls. Marx and Lenin were as wrong about economy as they were about eternity if Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus' resurrection answers some of the big questions of life. Where do we come from? Where are we going? Does life have meaning? I don't know how many of you have anybody, have anybody close to you die, but I remember when my mom died. I was 12 years old. I remember walking up to the casket in the front of the church, the open casket, and looking down at the body of my mom and realizing instinctively that she wasn't there. 
that whatever life force that animated her body, the true essence of who my mother was, was not in that coffin. I just knew it. And the amazing thing for me is, is that when I became a Christian and realized about what Jesus did and what He proved by His resurrection, that my instincts as a 12-year-old were, were right. They were dead on. That if Jesus rose from the dead, life does not end at the grave. We don't know any mortals. None of us do. Nations, philosophy, buildings, art, these things are mortal, and their life to ours is as the life of a gnat. But people that you room with, that you speak with, that you laugh with, that you date, that you snub, that you hurt and that you use, these are immortal beings. So says C.S. Lewis. If Jesus rose from the dead, then life does not end at the grave. On the contrary, life goes on to a new heavens and a new earth, but with an immortal body. This means that reincarnation is wrong about the nature of life. The Bible says that it's appointed once for a person to die, and then comes from the judgment. When Jesus burst forth from the tomb on Easter morning, his resurrection was the unmistakable demonstration of what the nature of life is all about. You don't get a bunch of chances to get it right. You get one chance. And then eternity. What that does, honestly, is give this life that you have right now incredible value. Because it's the only life you got. Why do you think historically that Christians, whenever they've gone in the world, have established food distribution centers, clothing distribution centers, hospitals, medical first aid centers? Schools? Why? It's because we aren't just doing this for now. We have a view toward eternity. We care about people not just because they're here for a few decades, but because they're immortal beings. When Mother Teresa went to Calcutta and cradled a person who was dying for just several days. She was doing that because she cared about that person's immortal soul. That he might be brought some comfort in his last days. That he might be brought closer to Christ. That she could be Jesus' hands and Jesus' feet in that culture. Because she cared about that person not just for a week, but for eternity. The third if-then statement, you might find a little bit offensive, but it goes like this. If Jesus rose from the dead, then we as a human race must have been in very bad shape. 
If Jesus rose from the dead, then we as a human race must have been in very, very bad shape. In other words, if God had to send His one and only Son to die for us, our situation had to be extremely perilous. When a prisoner dies by lethal injection or in the electric chair, we assume that what he did must have been particularly heinous. In this case, what we did had to be so heinous that our situation, our sin, our crimes against God could only be atoned for by God himself taking the form of a man and suffering the punishment for us. We all know the reality of the world in which we live. If I were to scratch just below the surface of all your lives here, my guess is I would find an incredible amount of pain. Some of you have been physically abused as children, and you still carry that pain. Some of you have been sexually abused, and you still carry that pain. Some of you have been browbeat, cursed at, and told you're no good till you believe that about yourself, and you still carry that pain. And even more sadly, some of you have done some abusing yourself. You've mistreated others just because they look different or because they spoke differently than you or your small little group of friends. Just read the Denver Post and you'll see the rest of the story about the human condition. You'll read about suicide bombers who think they're doing God a favor by walking into a crowded marketplace and blowing up innocent civilians, men, women, and children, unarmed. You'll read about people manufacturing crystal meth so that they can addict some of their friends to this stuff in order to get rich. You'll read about respectable businessmen who lie about company profits, who pilfer company money, robbing people of their retirements and their inheritances so that they can get bonuses at the end of the year. hey, aren't they just doing on a larger scale what we do on a smaller scale when we help ourselves to office supplies from the place we work or when we shoplift in the local grocery store? Or when we lie to our family 
because we want to keep the peace. I'm not leaving myself out of this. And you may think I'm wonderful, but I know the truth and my family knows the truth. I get moody and I snap, sometimes for no good reason. I try my best to be a great father, but instead I see myself passing on my quick temper to my kids, my laziness, and other sinful qualities. I remember when I was a real young father, I was especially distraught about this. My kids were little. And uh, they just, you know, started to talk and started to walk. And so, you know, they started to exert their little personalities. And pretty soon I'm seeing all the things I hate about myself reflected in my kids. And I was doing everything I knew how to do. I was listening to Focus on the Family radio broadcasts. I was going to Promise Keepers. I was reading the books on child rearing. And I'm going, oh, no, what am I going to do? I can see the pride coming up in my kids. I can see the stubbornness. I can see all this stuff popping up. What am I going to go to my pastor? I go, Joseph. Joseph, I'm trying my best. I don't know what to do. And Joseph, whose kids were much older, kind of leans back in his chair, folds his hands across his chest, and he goes, Well, Mike, in addition to passing all the good things on to your kids, you also pass on your need for a Savior. I'm thinking, that's a good thing, right? The resurrection of Jesus Christ serves notice that my sin is so dreadful that you and I are so deeply flawed that nothing short of God's only Son could pay or break the power of sin in our lives and the lives of those people we love. No matter how much we try to be better people, the Bible says it will never be enough. Doesn't matter how shiny we polish the exterior, Jesus says, It's once on the inside that God sees. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then we were in such bad shape that God had to send His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. So let's review. If Jesus rose from the dead... Number one, Christianity is true and every other religion is false. If Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then life does not end at the grave. And if Jesus Christ rose from the dead, then we must, as a human race, have been in very, very bad shape. My fourth and last if-then statement is this. If Jesus rose from the dead, then God loves you whether you like it or not. Look, there's not a lot of love out there in the big wide world. People are pining for love. They're whining for love. Just listen to the radio sometimes. There's that Hathaway theme. Oh, I don't know why you're not there. I give you my love, but you don't care. So what is right and what is wrong 
Give me a sign. What is love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. What is love? Oh, baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ooh, ooh. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ooh, ooh. We needed some comic relief after that last point. Let's go back a little bit farther in musical history. There's this song, I Don't Want to Close My Eyes, I Don't Want to Fall Asleep, because I'd miss you, babe, and I don't want to miss a thing, because even when I dream of you, the sweetest dream will never do. I'd still miss you, babe. And I don't want to miss a thing. Okay. Let's go back a little farther. I've been cheated. Been mistreated. When will I be loved? I've been pushed down. I've been pushed round. When will I be loved? I've been made blue. I've been lied to. When will I, I... Beloved, there you go, okay. People are looking for love, you know. I'm going to tell you some stories now. Uh, these are some of your stories from a long time ago. So you, the chances are you have no idea who I'm talking about. This girl had come to church with a friend of hers no more than three times before I got a phone call. She wanted to meet and talk about the Bible. I don't think she knew how else to phrase it. I think what she really wanted to do was talk about Jesus. But she didn't know how to say it. Her life was a mess. She was doing crystal meth, and she was living in a very abusive relationship. After having breakfast with her, Mary and I and her friend went across the street to City Park, and we prayed with her. Amid sobs and tears, she asked Jesus to come into her life. At that moment, she was so overwhelmed with the love of God, she could barely stand up. Literally, we were in like this holy huddle, right? Praying, and, and she was like dropping. We were like holding her up. Three weeks later, she was in the hospital for eye surgery, which she could not afford, but a Christian woman whom she did not know was paying for the eye surgery out of her pocket. People from Scum of the Earth were with her. They were in the lobby. They were praying. This girl was amazed at the quality of the love that was coming to her from these people she had never met before. She was receiving love from Jesus through his body, the church. You don't get that kind of love from a dead person. There's another guy I met at Scum. He was a musician at night. He worked restaurant jobs during the day. I know that sounds weird. None of you have ever done that. <laughs> this is funny. He couldn't figure out why he'd start to cry when listening to Five Iron Frenzy songs about God. He'd say, Mike, I don't know what's wrong with me. 
I just turn on the CD player and I start to listen and I just start to tear up. He goes, you know, I'm straight, but I'm wondering if I'm gay. His quote, that's what he told me. He was starved for love. And the resurrected Jesus was loving him through the truth that was coming out of these Five Iron Frenzy songs and through his followers at Scum of the Earth Church. Never forget, Reese and I prayed with them to ask Jesus Christ to come into his life after breakfast at Senor Barritos, which is actually right across the street from where I think, well, no, it's around the corner from, forget it. It's not there anymore. There was another girl who said to me, my Christians are so nice. Like, I'm not used to that. My friends got me high on acid, left me tripping all by myself in some abandoned warehouse. Those were her friends. You see, there's not a lot of love out there, aside from the love of God. Maybe you have longed for a girlfriend or boyfriend who will love you just the way you are. And then you finally find that somebody, but it never goes the way you hoped. He or she disappoints you. Unreal expectations are placed upon you because that person is looking for someone who will love them just the way they are as well. So then you have two people who are looking for love, but there doesn't seem to be enough love to go around. You begin to quarrel. Fights happen. Next thing you know, you're breaking up, and all you wanted was to be loved. Your mistake was that you were looking for love from an imperfect person. A love like that can only come from one place. If Jesus Christ really rose from the dead, then God loves you perfectly, holy, without reservation, whether you like it or not with a perfect love that you can't get anyplace else. I mean, seriously, girls, don't even bother asking your boyfriend to sacrifice his life for you. He won't even sacrifice his video games for you. <laughs> or his music for you. And guys, don't bother asking your girlfriend to sacrifice her love for you. She can't even sacrifice her idea of what you ought to wear when, they, when you go out together. This is true. But Jesus Christ forsook everything. He sacrificed everything because he loves you. Listen to what his follower Paul said, the same guy who wrote the scriptures he read earlier. This is what Paul said. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When we take communion, we celebrate the fact that God loves us in spite of us, in spite of our wickedness. We celebrate the fact that while we were still sinners, while we were still enemies with God, that He would come and that He would sacrifice Himself so that we could be with Him eternally. Who wants to be eternally with someone who doesn't like Him all that much? God does. He wants to be with you eternally even though you don't listen to Him most of the time. He wants to be with you eternally even if you don't take his advice. He wants to be with you eternally even if you don't think about him very much or care about him very much. Even if you're not perfect, he wants to be with you. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is proof. If you're new around here and you're wondering about this relationship with Jesus, if you're wondering what we're all about here at Scum of the Earth, is that we're going to encourage you to put your life in the hands of Jesus Christ, the alive God-man, not the dead man. You may not believe it right now. That's okay. Just keep coming back on Sunday nights. If you really want to know Jesus, keep seeking. Because everybody who seeks finds according to Jesus. If you'd like, we're going to take communion today. And if you have given your life over to Jesus, you are welcome to come and share communion with us. I really mean that. There's going to be three stations, two down here. The one over here is going to be non-alcoholic. This one will have wine and matzah. And this one over here will have a gluten-free deal with um, gluten-free bread, cracker, matzah, gluten-free matzah. They make gluten-free matzah? I don't know. If they do, we have it tonight, and it'll be right over there. And while you're coming to take communion, remember these four if-then statements about the resurrection. That is why the resurrection makes a difference in our lives right now, tomorrow, the next day, and for eternity. Would you please pray with me?
Lord Jesus, we praise you. For you are the one who was dead and who was raised to life. It is in you that we trust. We give our lives to you. As much as we know about our lives, Lord, we give to as much as we know about you. Lord, I would like you to burn the meaning of Easter into our minds like a brand on the back of a steer. We would never, ever, ever forget. Tattoo your name on our hearts. Christos Anesti.